0: or by contacting me directly, Damon, at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again. I'm Damon Pastalka, your host of the Faces of Business, and I am switching something to turn our names off because we don't normally do that, and I don't know why it was, but I am excited today because we are talking with Valerie Cobb from Revenue Northstar. And we're going to be talking about building a predictive revenue pipeline. Welcome, Valerie.
1: Hi, thanks, Damon. It's great to be here. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Good stuff (laughs) having you here because I'm looking at your background and we were talking before and, and wow, your experience is phenomenal. And sales, building pipelines, you know, predictive revenue is is an incredibly challenging thing for so many businesses. So I'm excited to have you talk about it today. When we start our show, Valerie, we always start it the same way. And we like <laughs> to understand more about you and how you got into what you're doing today. So let's hear it. How did how did you get into sales and what really <laughs> made it like this is what I want to do? <laughs>
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, first of all, to be real, I would say any parent is in sales. And if we're going to go and quote Daniel Pink, really, um, to sell is human. So if we're talking about sales as a profession versus selling, yeah. I obviously, I started selling back when I was born and my parents fell in love with me. My mom said the other day, hey, I love you. And I said, can I quote that? My mom loves me. <laughs> If nothing else. Yeah. You got that (laughs) going for me. I got that. At least I got that. Anyway, um, no, for selling, it's it's kind of interesting. A lot of times people will say, well, you know, they fell into it. I I wanted to be, and we can't rewind too far, but I wanted to be a, a big bad buyer in retail and got recruited out of college in uh to nordstrom which is kind of the birthplace in your neck of the wood Mm -hmm. and um they were one of the few retailers left that actually uh was commission-based and um it it was quite interesting because you learned to have your book of business and the whole nine yards that you, you know and pretty much everything i learned in sales whether they're whether it's sandler challenger um Whether it's any kind of mode of sales um, acumen, really Nordstrom probably helped create it (laughs) because they were so good at what they did. And we had had about a, a second of sales training. And then I realized that really the best way that you sell is if you really care about that human and that um and what they need not try to not try to push anything on them but what they need and you're going well that's that's kind of silly it's clothes i mean <laughs> you know they're coming in and buying clothes but actually most of the time um and what i learned later cuz several of my several of my clients back then when my daughter was born they made blankets for uh, for my daughter and brought it in and all that wonderful stuff right. um it really was the connection part of it, you know, the connection in helping people that should draw people to sales. Um, I know that that's not probably what most people want to hear. And then um, also then leading teams and seeing teams succeed and win is, is very, is very rewarding. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's yeah. part of it. There's other things.
0: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you, you bring up some good points though, because at the heart of good sales, I I really think is that desire to really help that human that's there, whether it's, you know, whether I'm making a CNC machine part or selling them software or selling them a new car, you know, Mm -hmm. that I, I, I feel what you're, you really got to the heart of sales there is, is, Really giving them what they need or, or what they think they need or feel they need at that moment, uh, but caring about making sure you're not, you are trying to meet their need rather than, you know, go over the top and saw, you know, 17 things they don't need or, or those other things, because that does create that connection.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. So early, early, early uh, lessons learned.
1: <laughs> definitely early lessons learned because uh, you know I there's there's tons of books out there but one of the things that if you're not solving a need and a challenge and I I talk about this when I'm either training sales teams or even when we're working and we'll talk about predictable revenue in a little bit but even when we're trying to predict and forecast um it it's all around, needs. So I use the analogy, there's two things that I use all the time. One is people buy for their reason. And most people won't answer that question right when I ask that. That's number one. And number two, um, that they are constantly looking for ways to improve their lives, their businesses, whatever it is. And if you aren't solving that need and the challenge, you're you really are not selling it isn't the definition of selling right so selling ideas everybody oh goodness it's a salesman on linkedin no you're selling ideas so anytime you're talking on linkedin with others which by virtue it's supposed to be a business network right so you should be talking ideas through you're actually discussing those ideas in the way of how does it solve a problem and by very definition, if you 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 said you're a father, I'm a mother, and um at the end of the day, I would be remiss to not run out and grab my kid who is running out into the street, kicking and screaming or otherwise, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, that mom with that kid is kicking two-year-old is kicking and screaming, and you can see the legs flailing, and it's like, no, you can't go out in the street, and they don't understand why. But you really are solving a need. You're keeping them safe. You're trying to do all those things. So you're selling them on those ideas. And then they understand that when they get older and leave home and come back and go, Gosh, I wish I had a listen. But back then, (laughs) they understand that because there's an element of trust involved because that's a parent that cares about that child, right? So even if they're kicking and screaming, they're going to understand that a lot more and want to move forward in that direction, whether or not you have to sit them on a chair in a corner or whatever. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. yeah, But eventually it's because of that relationship that you have with, with that, with that child. So.
0: That's yeah. a great way to, a great way to think about it. That's for sure. So the, the sales processes and the way we sell and the way buyers buy has changed tremendously in the last last decade you know when we're talking about building a predictive predictable revenue pipeline um you know you know, that was much different years ago talk about that and kind of a you know just a brief overview of how that really has changed in the last 10 or so years
1: well I actually have to go back further than 10 years to talk about how that's changed. Um, One of the biggest shifts in selling was, um, and you can kind of look it up, but it was when um, the iPhone came out. Yep. And um, so we, we had that huge shift of how you could buy at your fingertips. Right. And, there were a lot, and it was it was right around the same time as the 2008 recession. So there was a lot that people focused on the recession aspect of why people were not buying, but um, really they could buy at their fingertips, and they had enormous information instantly. And it was a pivotal moment in any kind of predictable analytic realm, because it was no longer, hey, you've got this book that you hand wrote some, you know, the old school, if we're saying the traditional selling career, right? Mm -hmm. You had your little book of business, you ran around, you went and visited an office or you called somebody and great. Um, And then advertising was advertising and et cetera, et cetera. Now, all of a sudden you had a buyer and it's why I'm such a big fan of the Challenger methodology and and Matt Dixon and those guys, is you had a buyer um, that had so much information at their fingertips. We had internet before that, right? It dates me, but we did. And we had all of those things before that, but it was uh, at their hand, you know? I mean, you could just... And all of a sudden you could check out whether that person was telling you the truth. If they came into your office, you could go to a website. And even though they were very not great (laughs) website, you could go there or you could check somebody out. And so data became much more prevalent and easier and more digestible. And we could get into all Google and and, um, into Amazon and some of that history. But if you fast forward, they could make decisions before they ever spoke to a salesperson right and um, and you had to factor that in and they had done this study that said that they um, make a decision 57 percent of the way prior to every reaching out to a salesman now this is clear back in I, I think they released that book what was it it was it 2012 2011 I could be wrong right so that was early on yeah yeah and And as you looked at the way that marketing changed, you know, there was always that death of the cold caller. We always have that, oh, is there a cold calling? Is cold calling dead? No, it is. Yes, it is. No, it is. You know, all that kind of stuff. Now we have AI cold callers that you can almost not tell that they are even not human, right? And so predicting is watching the trends and watching the day, you know, the correct data. Now we, there's numeracy and innumeracy, right? You, that's a term you're very familiar with, right? We, we use that all the time. And especially on the marketing side of the center, right? It's 40, 47% of those who lose weight is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, of those, of two, of three, yeah. you know, so we do it, we do it all the time. But every year, um, sales stats are are captured and produced on a very large scale, like salesforce.com always releases the trends. um, There's quite a few of them out there now that release trends that if nothing else for small business, um, you can start baselining, especially startups or even resurrections. You could go back and you can look at, what are the trends in data to say what percent are going to close if you do this many actions and this many actions and this many actions, right? And and then you have amazing tools that help capture that and then rinse and repeat, right? So then in a very specific model, you could say, well, let's just follow the 2020 rule. So 20% will Convert to whatever your definition is of a lead. I'm not going to get into MQLs, SQLs, and all of the data analytics, right? But let's say it's spooky, it's 2020 rule. So 20%, you could start there, right? You can also start with a bit of a, a gut check, which is okay, in a small company, a lot of times your sellers are the CEO and the or the owner, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And they really want to get out of selling eventually, but you kind of walk around and listen to them and watch what they do. And you start just the old school way of ticking off. They called 10 people today. They actually followed up on 20 and they actually closed this week 30. And now I'm starting to see a trend in what they're doing. Now I can then repeat it and I can now coach other sales people to do the same, right? Or other AI. Nowadays, you're training an AI to do that exact same thing. Or maybe it is, um, if it's e commerce, it's completely marketing driven, you know, mm-hmm. and there is no salesperson there. But in the world of selling, really the analytics will tell you which trends to reinforce in your industry right so if if nobody goes to a website in your industry then you're the old school get your sales team out knocking on doors and here I'll give you a perfect example physician offices you've done healthcare right so physician mm-hmm. offices Let's say you're trying to sell to doctors. How often do they pick up the phone? How often do they go to a website? Are they even talking on social media unless they're trying to get a social media presence? Zero. Zero. So why on earth?
0: Don't even even know. They don't even know about it.
1: Even if you're saying, well, the trends in selling is X, in that specific industry, it may not be X. So it's hugely Mm -hmm. important to base important in predicting to baseline what you think industries are. yeah. And um, that's really hard if you're in one industry. You know, if you're, if you're a company who's never ever worked in any other industry to know the difference, then it's like, well, I don't know what the baseline would be. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I even answered your question but there you go. There's- oh yeah, you it's did. Just- you <laughs> did. Now you brought
0: up you brought up a couple of things. So so now you you started Revenue Northstar uh, a while ago and you are uh, helping people with fractional sales, fractional C- CRO services. What really brought about that idea that that this is something that now you you've done full-time sales roles and other things and help companies do things. What, what really brought about your idea to get into the fractional space?
1: Well, the average, well, some uh, industry, some trend related, um, the average tenure of a chief sales officer, a chief marketing officer, a chief revenue officer. Most people don't even know what a chief revenue officer is. So it's really hard to even uh, discuss that, but, at the end of the day, the average 10 year is, you know, I don't know, anywhere from six months to maybe two years max, mm-hmm. right? Because also, um, one thing with trends is they are speeding, because of data, they're speeding up faster and faster. So sometimes you have to reforecast mid-year even based on some trends, right? So, um, and... Honestly, it's it's one way or the other. My mantra has always been businesses can change lives faster than government can. So, if we can have in the United States, and I know it's like, oh gosh, we're going to remember 10% of this, whoever even is listening. But in the United States, there's what 31 million small businesses out there. The majority is under $2 million. We know that, right? And they, the main stat is I can't even remember if it's eighty-two or eighty-four percent, but it's hey two percent. Hey, ai will be innumerate um, in it, but basically, they failed due to cash flow. Yeah, because of revenue, right? Revenue dysfunction, and that is a huge. That's a huge thing, and so. The other challenge that they have is a lot of small businesses have brother Bob or so-and-so selling or the CEO sell, and they can't repeat the process. And so they can't scale, they can't grow. And um, and bootstrapping, uh, you and I have talked about this, that's almost, uh, I would dare say that's a very difficult thing. I mean, it's, it's very hard to do in this in in this global economy, especially when you're competing against other countries um, for the same kind of talent. And I just thought you can help more companies with a little bit of your knowledge than you can if you're just in one role. Mm -hmm. And and then to boot, Revenue Northstar was created because there was a bunch of other leaders that also felt that same way. Mm -hmm. And they because you can't um when you're fractional you're you're not you're not a, just consulting you're not just saying hey this is what you should do it's not a hit and run yeah it's a hit and engage and ensure that people are winning yeah just as if you were a full-time employee so they get great point whether it's a free whether you want to call yourself a freelancer Fractional has been around since digital marketers started. Actually, marketing agencies, agencies were fractional to begin with. It was just a way to offset having to hire a half million dollar to a million dollar leader and be able to hire that same kind of expertise and also a lot of them have been in many different industries. And because of that, they know the baselines already for some of the, like mm-hmm. the predicting that we were talking about. So that's sort of how um, I got into it. And I got into it and there was clients in abundance and it, it was just quite rewarding for sure.
0: Yeah. 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 So what's what's been some of the most memorable without naming clients? Some of the most memorable work that you went, wow, we really killed it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we really killed it. Oh, gosh, in the well, I won't say the funnest. It was it was very difficult, but growing a uh, tax and accounting about six hundred percent, and you can do that in tech space versus manufacturing yeah. space. But um, it was early, It it was just a very rewarding experience to pull a resurrection out of the toilet. <laughs> and when we say resurrection, right, that yeah. that indicates that the company has been around for a while struggling, can't seem to make it things work and you go in and all of a sudden things start working and clicking. I I have a current client that I'm really enjoying simply because things are clicking and working and the aha moments are happening because it's like, well, we've been trying and we've been trying, but we just, it's like, I'll use another analogy. I'm full of them and I use this all the time. It's like trying to explain to somebody who is from BC 100 year 100, what an airplane is yeah. sometimes in small businesses or in res- they just can't pinpoint where the problem is. Maybe it's marketing, maybe it's sales, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not either one of them, maybe it's success, you've got too much churn, or maybe your product went stale, you know, (laughs) and and that's kind of fun to go in and go, oh, this is really exciting, you know, (laughs) to to try to see where that could be and to help them get laser focused on Really laser focused on what needs to happen, the two to three things that need to happen right now to start turning things in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when you hit those low-hanging fruit pieces, because if you can help them identify and hit the low-hanging fruit, you can turn things pretty quickly.
1: Oh, yeah. And a two million dollar company, try to do that in a billion-dollar company it's a very slow moving needle in small companies. It's a fast, it's a very fast turn. So it's it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So we talked about this a little bit and I do, I do want to get into the AI thing because you, you've mentioned a couple of things about it that I think is, is very interesting, but as, as we're, you're helping companies now. What are some of the most challenging things? I mean, you know what what they need to do, and yet it's super challenging. What are some of the most challenging things that you're hitting right now? That it's like, man, it's it's just it, it's still a slog, even though we know what we need to do.
1: Well, a lot of it it does boil down to sometimes they come too late. And they mm-hmm. don't have funding to execute. And yeah. and that's kind of the planning side of the fence, the predictable side. You, you can create a, any kind of predictable modeling that will say you can do this. But if you can't finance it or you aren't willing to finance it, then there's really no point in having a dialogue. So one of the biggest challenges is... This is where we want to grow to, because typically I'll go into a client and say, "Are you a good degrader, or are you a are you wanting to exit?" You know, and the good degrader, you know, it's a little bit slower. You take it a little slower. You develop teams. You go in and get the right seats on the bus, and you still get the ride right seats on the bus for the aggressive. You know, here I'm. I want to exit in four years. The challenge is the alignment of how long that takes, right? Mm -hmm. And what it costs. So a good to great can take time and you can self-fund because you keep taking time. Although sometimes competition will beat you out and you'll be done anyway. So there's always that timing issue. But on those who are wanting in the show, you know, exit (laughs) the faces of business and your company exit your way is always starting backwards with what the goals are of the the stakeholders if it is if it is the CEO or the owners and co-founders whatever that is and they want to exit in four years and you get in and you do all the financials because we use the financials as a scorecard right and you go five years out and you do the Tam Sam sum and you and you say yes it's doable and then you do some an, uh, analysis on, what's currently in the market, what's happening behind the scenes, um, you know. And then you say, yes, this is doable if you're willing to change this, this, and this, right? So there's one, because nobody can do more than two to three things at last, right? But you're willing to change this. And it's like, well, we don't have the money to do that. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's the key. We don't have the money to do it. And then you're kind of going, okay, then why did you even, you know, so then now you're in this kind of land of, well, we're going to go slower, but their expectations are, hey, I just saw that I could be at 20 million and, but you can't pay to be at 20 million. Therefore you're stuck at 3 million because you can't pay for the top town well you got to be able to work your magic and and train them up right (laughs) or use automation or use ai or whatever to make that different and at the end of the day people want to get paid (laughs) that's a hard thing to well and
0: the, the funding i mean yeah funding you can't get get around it but not only just the funding to pay the people, but the funding for the advertising and all the other efforts that it takes to, to, to grow anymore. I think have it's, it's gone so far beyond, you know, having good salespeople now that if you don't have, you know, digitally, if you're not doing things, if you're not, you know, like we talked, you mentioned before, you know, outreach or business development and, and just all the other things that have to come together because, the, the buyer's journey has changed so much from, I'm going to find that buyer and you know present them with my great offer, which is something they need, to that buyer is now going to take their time on their schedule and find their solution to their problem, and mm-hmm. I have to be in that solution path somehow. And if I'm not in that solution path, which takes Content, it takes outreach, it takes all kinds of things to get there, and I'm missing a million of them. Mm-hmm. You just don't get the sale anymore.
1: Yeah, I, we have a. I love to talk about the word logo because it's logos, and if from theology, it is basically conjuring the right message immediately in someone's mind. So if you take Nike and you take that symbol, someone says Nike boom, I can go type in Nike. I want that pair of tennis shoes. But how many years did it take for Nike to get to be that well-known and take a $2 million company that is relatively unknown or a pre-emerging market and try to do that knowledge transfer in two seconds? It's impossible. Well, my brand is so great. And I love the branders. Don't get me wrong. You need to start branding. That's not part of it. Yeah. that's not, And you could have a sensational brand, but if you cannot get them to understand the need, whether that's, I just got to have those Nike tennis shoes or, you know, whatever that is that you're solving in a couple of seconds. I think our we're down to like three seconds, six seconds in a cold call, you know, in oh. if you're cold calling, it's, it's even less. But we have our attention span over the 1950s to now, our intention span as human beings is like, nil i I think it i think it was like is it um teller and he talks about moore's law and, and so much data in smaller and smaller things but the reality is you can also human's capacity to go faster and faster is gone, right? Yet we're going faster and faster, which is kind of the onslaught of AI. So now all the selling tools are, hey, throw it in some chat GPT really quick or some lavender.io and get an email that's gonna be the answer to all your problems. And bridging that gap, I think, the best way that I've been successful with some of the small businesses is holding not just, I call it high involvement planning because high involvement means the entire company, Mm -hmm. not just a leader. Right. But it's just a strategic planning, but you can't imagine how many people will step on a dollar to pick up a dime and not go through strategic planning. I mean, we're all shouting about it in Q4 What are you doing for January 1? And to get that alignment, if you have the bottom and the top and the middle all going through financial statements and going, yeah, we can achieve that and we can vote on it and we can get it, then it saves my trying to get, build that, bridge that gap of them going, well, but we thought we were going to be at 20 million. Well, yeah, but you didn't spend the money that you needed to get to 20 million. So now you're at 3 million mm-hmm okay so are you good with a cager of 10 percent, or are you trying to sell off in four years and be 400 you know over four years yeah. yeah depends on the industry depends on the 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 group the you know who who the leaders are in it but
0: do yeah. you see do you see oftentimes though when you come in that you have to kind of take a step back to go forward fast?
1: Yeah, I had one podcast guest and he said, uh, slow is fast. And I've really, really contemplated that because usually when they finally are looking for a fractional, you'll see a lot of times they're trying to get the full-time equivalent. The full-time is going to fix my problem, right? You know, (laughs) and uh, as if you can fix something faster than six to nine months, you know, they want to buy the book of business, which don't even get me into the producer player because that just ticks me off. But the reality is as you get going, I'm glad that you're laughing because I, I, I get, Oh, are you, you're going to be the producer player. And I'm like, absolutely. I am not going to be the producer player. I'm either the player or the producer. I am not both. (laughs) right i am not going to be both actually that's the wrong analogy but you know what i mean like you're the leader and you're the salesperson and it's like yeah and that works really well (laughs) but yeah again the situation will always depend yeah i know that's a dumb a a dumb answer but uh, that's why when people will call and say hey Can you help us out? Can you just give me a quote? And it's like when I've trained sales reps, I'm like, tell them yes, as long as they answer every question that you ask them, and then you can devise the quote. (laughs) There is no ballpark quoting because you don't know what their situation is. You can't go in and just, here it is, and Mm -hmm. here's the answer. Because that's I think that's what's unique a little bit about a CRO role is they really pivot and and spend time trying to find where, pinpointing where the issue really, the biggest issue is. There's always issues. I mean, there's mm-hmm. never a perfect yeah. company, but the biggest issue where to start, and it kind of avoids the infighting between, okay, it's a sales problem, it's a marketing problem, it's a success problem, a service problem, it's a product problem, whatever it is, you know, because... Um, they look at it from the strategy of how are you going to grow revenue? And I don't care what the players are. It would be like a football team, your favorite. What's your favorite football team?
0: Well, it has to be a Seahawks.
1: Uh, of course, I thought you would say that. So it would be like that coach going in and saying, but I like this guy. So I'm going to put him in as the quarterback <laughs> and off we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if the skill set isn't there, just because I like, that guy, you know, and it's like, but that's not the game of business. The game of business is liking humans. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but having them be happy in their roles. So, and the only way they're happy in their roles is if they're flourishing in their roles. So making sure that you're addressing the right problem at the right time, not the wrong problem, just because somebody thought it was that problem.
0: Yeah. 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 That's powerful stuff there because it's it is well you you come back to and the reason why I say that you know the there's so much there's so many dimensions to sales now yes. um and you, like you said it could be that product it could be all these other things it could be the the content it could be the way that they're, they're positioning it could be where they're trying to sell it. there's all these kinds of things that that can can produce it and i think that it is so vastly under analyzed mm-hmm. prior to just trying to sell that yeah. companies that companies that take just a little bit more time on the beginning to go okay let's let's really think about this so it, because it it just it it allows you to sell so much more effectively yes um but you talked a little bit about a, uh, yeah. so let's, let's go to this though, because I don't, I don't want to miss this. You, you've got a pretty wide range of experience. So talk, talk about that. I mean, cause you do a lot of, you do a lot of SaaS work now and you've done a lot of SaaS work, but you've done a lot of other things too. So, and different <laughs> industries. So let's talk about uh, industries. We, what, which one has been really interesting and you go, wow, I would never have thought I liked this industry, but it's, <laughs> it's got something that it's really pretty
1: cool. Uh, gosh. Uh,
0: Cause you, you know, you talk about the tax and accounting place. Where I, you did loved, that I love are, different
1: industries for different things. I mean, yeah. I love, I, I always love any, I'm a sci-fi geek, so I love anything that's forward looking, you know? Um, and healthcare, healthcare is great because of its. I love the the caring aspect, but there is the business side of the fence that is very antiquated and not caring. You know. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I, I, And so I I love it when they get together and they innovate and move forward. Um, but it it was it was kind of fun to be in heavy equipment. People always go. Heavy equipment. Well, where you you know, and you know, subscription stuff. Different way to pay for things, but some of the acumen is the same. Whether it's as you know, maybe mm-hmm. the maybe the balance, maybe the P and L statements change slightly where the cogs and things are <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, I bet you you could create a SaaS product out of a heavy heavy equipment if you wanted to. If you really wanted to that's a rental <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or at least. Um, yeah. But there's a whole strategy behind it. Um, it was, it is always fun for me when I get to get involved in the product and ideation side of the fence where um, we are like heavy equipment. Um, I was talking to you about devising a product that was um that we cut down the the customer trials and the go to market all the way like volvo it takes usually about five years to release a new product we cut it down to two and a half years and all through customer trials and and it was born out of necessity we were trying to revive the company right and so you needed that and that was that was a lot of fun i am also enjoying right now and we've talked about this I'm in really enjoying cyber risk transference just because it's so dang complicated and nobody understands it so it's like yeah. oh this is fun <laughs>
0: there you go well, it'd be because if you're you saying you're a sci-fi geek you're learning a lot about this science is tremendously complex when it comes to that and the the, yeah. the science and the technology behind it is is really interesting and yeah. and challenging so yeah one last question about selling before we get into some fun stuff so if you could sell anything what would you like to sell
1: Uh If I could sell anything, what would I like to sell? Ah, that's a good one. I like building humans, so I think I would want to sell the idea that no matter what, if they put the time and the effort and have grit, so skill, will, and hill, and get over the hill, I would sell that they can achieve the role that they want to achieve. So that's more of a coaching aspect.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's good. Um,
1: it's good. But I I I love working with people. I like seeing them. I like seeing them succeed. It's fun, you yeah. know, and that's that's the good part.
0: That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I always thought. I always thought if you know if it was still where you could do it in person, I would love to sell sports tickets. I think that would be so much fun. You know, talking to people when they came like to a football game or a baseball game with their whole family and talk to them about it, selling the tickets. You know that because it's such a such a well for my family. Anyway, it's just just such a celebratory, great event uh, yeah. time to be around people. But they there's just these special times when you can sell something like you're saying here. The Skillwell Hill is to see somebody and help them be a part of that would really be something.
1: Yeah, be something. for me, I that. You know, and earn money at it. That would be fabulous. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's just it. So you get paid to do this? Oh, that's really
1: okay. cool. Well, it, it's
0: it's it's so it's funny though how you how you said that because there are different things for different people,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it could be because I'm like that with the work I get to do. When yeah. I get to help help a business owner build that business, and then they can sell. We we help them, and we sell it. It is it is like the most fun thing to me and i've gone through you know you think of that army obstacle cars where they're crawling in the dirt and mm-hmm. mud and the all that that's what it's like to get there but <laughs> you forget about all that and everybody's high-fiving and it's all a great time at the end but it's just because it's it, the when you can help your customer working alongside them so hard is so much fun to see them succeed
1: it is. And to me, the industry doesn't matter because all industries have cool stuff about them. It's yeah. one of the things that it it's it's exciting to try something new and different. Maybe that's why I'm in the fractional space because I get also, I, I guess I could say I get bored if it's too, too repetitive over yeah. and over and over again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and you really can't, I mean, you you think about what a fractional person can bring to an individual company, mm-hmm. your varied experience and the fact that you're in multiple companies working at any given time, you're learning in each one of those situations okay. and you're bringing everything you learn to every situation. So you could be working in a SaaS company over here and a healthcare company over here and you go, hey, what we just implemented in this healthcare company is going to fix what's not working in the SaaS company. And if I am only in that one company, I miss that opportunity. Yeah. I think it's a huge thing. And a friend of mine, Jeffrey Graham, used to talk about that a lot uh, with when in his sales roles, he would say, you know, working for different companies is so beneficial when you do it because you you can really collaborate and find better solutions. So,
1: yeah, it's cool
0: what you guys are doing. So what's exciting (laughs) for you guys? Revenue North Star coming up in the next next year. What do you see that's exciting on the sales front?
1: Oh, well, the the upcoming uncertainty with the interest rates and everything else is creating a lot of fear, and I don't capitalize necessarily on fear, but um, there is a lot of try before you buy mentality happening out there, and that's perfect for the fractional space, because in all reality, you're you're not, when you hire a full-time equivalent, you're paying their benefits and you're yep. waiting six to nine months um, before they produce, and especially in, well, I don't care if it's marketing I don't care if it's a sales role, anything in revenue um, on the human front is going to take six to nine months yep. to produce. So uh, what happens is, you know, the old recruitment model where it's like, here, let's recruit and this person's going to come in and, fix your world, you're at six to nine months. And many don't want to spend that expense because as you know, just let's say that it's an account executive or let's say it's a, a VP of marketing or even a CMO. If their salaries are anywhere and the salaries can range in the closer realm. So I'm just saying flat, let's just say a hundred thousand a year, just no no commission, just just flat. If that were the case, which it's not, it's usually at least a couple hundred thousand between benefits and everything else. Um, You have then spent six to nine months either progressing or not progressing. And because you won't know it other than activity based, unless they're really bringing in revenue you don't know when to cut and run with that human or not cut and run with that human till nine months to a year down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, There are definitely tells and ways that you can mitigate some of that but being able to try out something in short sprints, like for your company, it's like what you say, 90 days, you know, you can't do anything in 90 days anyway. So it has 30 day trial in anything is like, yeah, there's, there's no repetitiveness to make it Mm -hmm. mean anything. But um, for us, we're just excited that the trends are kind of moving toward helping those small business owners get into and get out of the revenue maze. Right. Yeah. But try before you buy, you know, let's do some high involvement planning. Let's go in and let's see what the problems really are. And if we can help, we great. If not, we tell them this organization can help this organization can yep. help. Cause we also having worked in so many companies, we have a huge network of, Individuals that could solve the problem if you can't solve the problem. Yeah. So yeah. I really like that, and because they are so, the interest rates are are creating kind of a an issue with that, um, and then obviously inflation. It's like the perfect storm. So we're excited to be able to help more companies in the future.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, Valerie, it's been awesome talking to you today, and and just thinking about the things that that people will want to consider and and how the fractional people can really help uh, a lot of places build that predictable pipeline because there's so many pieces to it the other things uh, that you need to consider and really the depth of the team that that or the depth of the experience you need to be able to get that kicked off right so yeah. thanks for being here today
1: Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. It was fun. It yeah. always flies by.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. I want to say thank you to everyone else. We had a Mar in today, and I want to thank you to all the people that listen. We get a lot of views. I know. Thanks so much for for listening to us while we're doing this, and I really appreciate that. And appreciate everyone that that does take the the time and effort to make a comment. We will be back again later. Thanks. Hold on just a minute, Valerie, and and we'll wrap up after we're done.